I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the spectacular 150th episode of the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show, with me, your old pal Adam Bayfield, and also the people's champion, Tony Kerr. How's it going, Tony? We've made it to 150. Not many people thought it would happen. Not many people wanted it to happen, but we've done it. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got to start now, haven't we? But, yeah, we've got to push on. We haven't made a big score yet. Well, I, I said this at 100. 150 is quite a big score now, though. 100, it's like, yeah, you've got 100, but you've got to turn it into a big 100. 150 is getting on towards a daddy 100, isn't it? Because when do we call it a day? <laughs> <laughs> what, what number? It's a question that a lot of people have been asking for quite a long time. Uh, I'm getting sick of answering actually well, I mean 150 and it's a real honour to be here still after 150 episodes It's a real honour and a surprise It's going to be a hell of an episode Boy oh boy have we got a show for you tonight There's a stellar, some might say unbelievable lineup of uh, celebrity guests coming in tonight We've got Michael Caine, Charlie Sheen is here John Lennon's face of course as promised there are stars everywhere you look, I mean just all around the studio George Clooney's actually on the controls this week, he's our, he's our guest producer I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to see any of these people down here. Really. Maybe we could get say hello, George. No, he's too shy. <laughs> he's he's too shy. He's a very shy man. And to he be fair, like... he said he just wanted to come down. And he just wanted to be part of the magic. He, didn't he mainly want just wants to watch. Yeah, he mainly just wants to you know see firsthand the uh, the wonderful punditry that is on offer. We haven't actually got anything special planned for this 150th episode, have we? We haven't even brought party poppers this time. That's what we did for the 100th. That doesn't seem that long, that long ago, does it, really? <laughs> well, I'll tell you when it was. It was a bit more than a year ago. But you think, you know, there's roughly 50 episodes in a year. <laughs> so we're about on target then. <laughs> we're on the shedge. I was planning to sort out something for, for this special episode. I thought, you know, we'll at least do something. But then I just went bodyboarding in the end this week. That's pretty much all that's happened. When there's swell in the channel... Don't expect me to do anything constructive. <laughs> anything but bodyboard it. Yeah, well, I mean, famously, there hasn't been any swell for ages, and there has been, so we've been out. It, I mean, it was tiny today. It was literally anyone who's ever been surfing or ever aspired to surf would have been disgusted with what we were attempting to bodyboard tonight. It was actually pathetic, yeah, just before coming here, me and me and Tony uh, and another mate of ours went down for, for a bodyboarding session. And we got there and the waves were not nearly as big as we were expecting. I mean, generally they're known as Tony waves. Uh, they're, they're pretty wow. pretty pathetic. Like, we parked up at the top, very low tide, see a really long way away, and you have to kind of clamber over some rocks a little bit to get down to the, the shoreline at this particular beach. And, yeah, the three of us are just running down there, each holding a child's bodyboard to get involved in these absolutely minuscule waves. <laughs> we must have looked like right idiots. That's the level of desperation that's come to you, though. But before tonight, there, there have been some waves. I mean, long-time listeners will no doubt remember that we became 
absolutely obsessed with bodyboarding. Uh, like last autumn, I think it was, we were just bodyboarding all the time uh, and wouldn't shut up about it on the podcast. Uh, and then I don't think we've mentioned it since then, but there just hasn't been any surf. There's been no surf. This last week, there's been a little bit. Um, so, yeah, we've been a few times. And you, I, the other night, I was quite impressed, actually. You, you, you almost caught a wave, which to say it was the first time that you'd ever been was, uh, was impressive. Needless to say, listeners, I am a master bodyboarder. Adam is just making fun of me to make himself feel better about his own <laughs> shortcomings in the water. I'm just trying to make myself look good <laughs> yeah. in front of the listeners. And to be fair, I'll probably edit out what you just said. Yeah. So, yeah. If you do, I'll release my own podcast. <laughs> You've been threatening to do that for a while. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for some retractions there, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's a good job that there have been waves this week because bodyboarding is about the only thing that's been lifting me out of my anguish. After uh, after England relinquished their number one ranking in tests, I don't know if you heard about that this week. They lost to South Africa. Yeah, I heard something about that actually on the news. But no, I mean Friday, Monday afternoon was sort of events unfolded in the most irritating manner possible for me and for probably most England fans, but particularly me. You know, hope was offered; it was there, uh, and it was taken away. And it was also, it was also taken away just as I got up from my nap <laughs> to watch it. You know, as, as I thought, well, hang on, something might be cooking here. <laughs> I think I watched about two balls before a wicket fell, and then it was just a, an hour, hour and a half of misery. It was actually incredibly annoying, because yeah, <laughs> when I finished work, England were in desperate trouble. There was no way it was going to happen. So I went to the beach, got my phone out and checked the score, and it was like, wow, Pryor and Swan are actually making a go at this. They might get there. So then I was on the beach just lying on my towel, just refreshing the ECB <laughs> app over and over again and I was like what am I doing I might as well go home so I raced back across the island I was at the beach I couldn't have been any further away from my house and got there just in time to see Matt Pryor get out <laughs> well so listeners might be aware I uh, my working day begins at 6am and I finish at 2 uh, so <laughs> why would listeners be aware well, of that well I'm not saying they won't be aware <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, yeah so normally because I haven't gone to bed uh, until I've kind of gone to sleep till about half 12 i normally have to build in a nap into my <laughs> afternoon routine uh but annoyingly yeah, i went to you know i thought the match was over so i'll just go to sleep lay in bed listening to it dozing yeah and then got up and watched one ball before swan got out and then i missed the entire nap <laughs> i was just i'm now just still tired so this is another reason why i'm tired you'd think that by now you know if you're working 6am start every day you might have perhaps settled into a routine where you go to bed reasonably early and um, that's probably what yeah, I would be do wrong, in that circumstance, <laughs> but no, apparently not. Well, things to do. Well, okay, by things to do, do you mean watching YouTube videos, watching, yeah. following Newcastle Twitter accounts? <laughs> Just doing stuff, really. <laughs> Just doing things. But uh... <laughs> whenever, whenever you're like, right, I better shoot off, like wherever we are, you'll always be like, right, I've got to shoot off. You've always got to go early, <laughs> earlier than anyone else. Rubbish. I've got to shoot off. We're like, why are you, why are you leaving, Tony? Like, i just got a few things to do. What things? Just things. Just got things to do. I just don't know what you're talking. Mostly true. The list is endless. You're never done. I'm never finished. The list finished. is so endless that you finished. can't even reveal one item on it. It's a mystery. Just things, really. Just yeah. things. Just catching up with things. I don't get anything done on the weekend, though. So I have to use what precious little time I have in the week to do things. Yeah, but what things? Is my I don't question. know. Just bits and pieces. <laughs> Odds so, and ends. You're so bad at deflecting. Things. <laughs> it's like when you're texting someone. And I say, who are you texting, Tony? And you go, no, I'm just sending a text message. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, good answer. <laughs> but um, hey, it, well, I mean, it was, it was an entertaining test match, wasn't it? So, you know, at least we had that. Yeah, it was very entertaining. It was gutting that England lost the, uh, the test mace. But 
you know, the world... <laughs> I hadn't even once thought about the mace. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my point. It was kind of gutting. It was like, we've got to hand over the mace. And I was like, well, actually, the world didn't just end. Like, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened. About three minutes after we'd given over the mace, I was out bodyboarding and just not even thinking about it. So I've managed to not sink into the pit of depression that listeners might have worried that I would. Um, but we will be talking about that test match today, as well as the Kevin Peterson saga, which rumbles on, uh, and possibly some more side notes as well, depending on time. Tony has got a few things to do, so <laughs> he'll be anxious to get, <laughs> to get out of here, no doubt. He's got a few odds and ends. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about all of that and just generally having a whale of a time. All that and more on the on 150th. This, the 150th episode, spectacular. Did you get all that, George? He's given us a thumbs up. He's given us a little, a little nod, a, a little wink on. of approval. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. So as we just discussed there in the introduction, uh, England sank to defeat at Lords in the third test of their series against South Africa to lose the series 2-0 and, uh, and also surrender the test mace. South Africa replace England at the top of the test match rankings. The Proteas won the toss and elected to bat first and appeared to be in a lot of trouble when Stephen Finn reduced them to 54 for four. They recovered a little bit, but were still at 163 for six, staring at being bowled out potentially for less than 200. Um, but some lower order resistance, a pair of 61s from JP Dumini and Vernon Philander, got them up to 309. There was real symmetry about England's innings because they were also 54 for four before a recovery led by Ian Bell with 58 and Johnny Bairstow, who fell five short of a maiden test match. 100 brilliant innings from him. England ended up going past South Africa's total by six runs, 315 all out. And South Africa, in their second innings, ground their way to 351 with 100 from Hashim Amla. To set England a target of 346, it was always going to be very challenging that. And when they were 15 for two overnight, you thought it probably wasn't going to happen. At 45 for four, it looked even less likely to happen. But some good innings from Jonathan Trott and Johnny Bairstow, both of whom made half-centuries, and a fabulous partnership between Matt Pryor with 73 and Graham Swan with 41, gave England a sniff. But when Swan was out, Pryor followed quickly and Steve Finn was out first ball. England were all out for 294 and they lost by 51 runs. That's England's first defeat at Lords since the Ashes series in 2005, if you can believe that, Tone. Struggling to. Jamie Oliver, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, the Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls. Looks like our boys took one hell of a beating. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Why did you pick those three? <laughs> Just random. These are the first three. No, they're, not the first, <laughs> they're not the first three. They're not. When I think of Britain, I don't immediately think of the Shadow Chancellor. I'm surprised Red you didn't Bulls. include Rupert Lowe in there. I think <laughs> Rupert Lowe is extremely obscure. <laughs> yeah, it does look like that, doesn't it? It appears that way. What, that we took outside. a hell of a beating? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they put up a fight in this game. It was a fantastic test match, I thought. It was actually a, a real thriller. Sort of ebbed and flowed. At various times, it looked like England were out of it, and then it looked like they, they might be in with a great chance. By far the best test of the series, I think. And it's good to have this sort of occasional reminder, I think, in test cricket of why it, it does offer so much more than any other format of the game, in my opinion, at least. And I think you know, sometimes people do just need to be reminded of that. I mean, the, the, the tension when Pryor and Swan were, were batting together was so much greater than the tension that exists in any other form of the game in 2020 or whatever. I mean, the fours and sixes that they were hitting had so much more meaning than fours and sixes sort of blasted at the start of a 2020 innings. And that's why Test Cricket is so good. They're fairly 
not few and far between, but they've, yeah, these kind of scenarios uh, are thrown up only every so often. Uh, but when they arrive, they, I mean, they are brilliant. You, you get an, just an unrivaled, unmatched couple of hours or, you know, those kind of passages of play for a couple of hours, uh, like you say. And obviously there are long passages in test matches where not much is happening. But that's but great, because you can go makes... to the bar, you can go, you <laughs> yeah, can go to the kitchen, you can go here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's what makes those exciting passages all the more brilliant. But anyway, that's that's just kind of an aside. But you know, I thought it was it's probably it's the only Test match of this English summer that's really been that exciting. I think uh, so. It was yeah. it was good good to have that, especially with a lot of limited overs cricket coming up. I mean, the real enemy of the day on that on that you know that fifth day was the new ball, wasn't it? Because uh, you knew as soon as the new ball arrived, that was going to be it. And it was. And it was. <laughs> so it was kind of like some assassin that was going to arrive you know we knew when he was going to arrive and we knew how he was going to dispatch that's a really lame <laughs> i'm going to just stop there uh, i think you should stop there uh, i was trying it, to think like I, I was trying to go with you in my head i was like want can i you know maybe reference james bond or you know the video game assassin's creed and then i was like no actually this is rubbish actually i watched the film for some reason killer elite last night <laughs> well, i've never even jason heard of that. it was on any time it was in hd with jason statham so i was, I, jason I, I kind of and he was in a he was kind of like an sas like hitman thing anyway unusual role for, for <laughs> he was like an action hero okay yeah yeah so i was very much in my mind imagining the new ball as jason statham <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the new ball rather more nuanced <laughs> in its kind of movement and expression than Jason Statham. Werner Flander runs up and delivers it <laughs> and as it's coming towards Matt Pryor. It's like, you want to watch yourself, sunshine. <laughs> Bang, out. Bang, gone. Nicked For a it. man who claims not to like movies to the point that if you're at someone's no, house... No, I do really like movies. Well, you might be at someone's house and we're like oh should we watch a movie you'll go home because you're like oh, I, don't, I can't be bothered to watch a movie you watch a lot of terrible movies you said to me the other day that at home you watched did you hear about the morgans on oh, no, your own I, I put it on in the background while i was doing other things <laughs> don't <laughs> ask me what other things absolutely <laughs> nonsense what other things were you doing when you say other things this is what i imagine whenever you're like i've got a few things to do this is what i imagine you're doing sitting at home kind of lying on the sofa, you've got your laptop on your chest, kind of balanced on your chest, a packet of Maltesers, a carton of Ribena, and you're just, like, watching YouTube or probably, like, playing Football Manager or something different like story, that. Different story, different story these days. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, back, sorry, back to the new ball, Adam. You know, this should be some kind of rule that, I mean, at Lords, you know, where the MCC has defenders of the laws of the game, whatever, you know, well, I don't know what the expression is. Yeah. But uh, they, should, they should have written in a law that if England are chasing, you know, if England have only got a few runs to get and they're many wickets down, that you're not allowed to... It's like a no-new ball scenario. <laughs> yeah. uh, they hadn't thought about that one. No, they didn't think so that through, really, did they? the ICC Festival of Discussion or whatever they call it. What do they call it? <laughs> the ICC meeting. Conference. I yeah. Think it is, yeah, so they should, they should come up with that, maybe. It was very frustrating from, from an English perspective that I'd resigned myself to the defeat after the fourth day and then suddenly hopes were raised. And then it didn't happen. But, you know, I think as an England fan, in retrospect, you can be at least proud of their approach on the final day. They had a pretty good go at it. You know, I was worried at 15 for two overnight that they'd just be sort of 120 all out, you know, or worse, and it would be all over by lunch. And perhaps in the past, that is what would have happened to England. But they really did have a go. They didn't just think, right, let's try and save the game, which I think a lot of pundits expected them to. They went for the win. As a fourth innings performance, that was pretty good. That The reason that they lost the game was not because of the fourth innings. It was because they let South Africa off the hook in that first innings. From, from 54 for four, they really ought to have bowled them out for under 200. 
Yeah, I mean, Phil Anders scored 96 in the match. Probably, you know, 95 too many. And he batted well for oh, those runs. Well, but it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Can't, can't complain. England have done it a lot to people, sort of piling on annoying runs at the end of an innings. So, uh, so yeah, so England lose the number one ranking. How bitter a pill was that to swallow, Tane? And more to the point, who's to blame? <laughs> if we're going for the old, uh, you know, the TV series in India oh, that happens after every defeat, who's, <laughs> who's to blame, it's called. Who's to blame for England that they've lost their number one ranking? Collectively, I think the team were a little, the England team were a little off off the pace. Uh, you know, Broad was a little bit kind of down, wasn't he? A little bit slow. Certainly didn't have the venom of a, uh, you know, of staying more cool. Philander to Philander, Philander yeah. <laughs> Philander Did you know where I was going? I did know where you were going. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's an element. The Peterson debacle obviously had a bearing on the last test. You know, I don't think England would have wanted to be going in uh, you know, before the series started, would have been wanting to go into a decide, well, a potentially deciding third test with both Bairstow and James Taylor in the middle order. Not because they're bad players, but just obviously not particularly experienced. So, uh, but Bairstow got substantially more runs in the game than Andrew Strauss or Alistair Cook. Or Bairstow, but well, yeah, Bairstow did very well in the end. So these aren't the only reasons. South Africa were very good at a very complete eleven. I think that's a point. That's perhaps easy to miss um it, it is uh, quite tempting to just sort of turn the guns on the england team as it were um but actually there shouldn't be any disgrace in losing to south africa because they are an outstandingly good cricket team and we knew that before the series as well i think we thought it would be a lot closer than it was but it's not like we didn't see it coming that south africa would be very good um and it, it, it's really no surprise that they should be the number one team in the world in many ways the only surprise is that it's taken them this long to get there I don't know why they weren't able to beat Australia at home last year or why they've had problems, you know, even at home to Sri Lanka or away to Pakistan. They should have been this good for the last few years because they've got exactly the same personnel. Um, But for some reason, they haven't been able to put it all together. But whether it's to do with planning or whether it was just that it all clicked for them, they did put it all together in England and they were just better than the hosts. I mean, they've got all the ingredients for a world-class cricket team. Their, their seam attack is phenomenally good. It's got to be right up there, I think, with the best pace attacks in, in history. Mornay Morkel was just outstanding throughout the series. I mean, we discussed in our series preview about the importance to South Africa of sort of getting on top of the England top three. Well, Morkel had Strauss's number, Philander had Cook's number, and Stain had Trott's number. Useful. And as a result of that, England just never got big runs, did they? Before, I think before the series, I'm willing to put my hands up and say I thought England would edge it. In the end, they did edge it quite a lot to the hands of Smith. And, hey. and like, hey, there you go. That's why you're here. <laughs> That's why I'm paid. Clean, he's got a big smile on this. his face right now. <laughs> he's keeping the laughter pent in, though. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's got his fist in his mouth. South Africa were extremely good. But that said, overall, it wasn't the kind of performance that we've come to expect from England. Um, and whilst there's no shame in losing to South Africa... That shouldn't distract them from, you know, asking some quite fundamental questions about this team, I think, because since becoming world number one, they've definitely gone backwards. I mean, they're patently not as good a team now as they were a year ago. I mean, their record in 2012 is played 11, lost six, which isn't great for, you know, more or less any side in the world, let alone the number one. I mean, you look at the bowling attack. I mean, Stuart Broad, Graham Swan and Tim Bresnan are all way below the level they were at against India last summer. I mean, Broad maybe is just having a bit of a bad series. He was fantastic in the winter, good against West Indies. He might have just had a bad series here. Maybe the same is true for Swan. I thought he bowled 
reasonably well throughout the series without much success but in general he's kind of been on a bit of a downward graph for the last couple of years whether or not it's just teams are working out how to play him but he's not having the success that he was having at at the start of his career so maybe those two might come back but Bresnan hasn't been the same bowler since his injury I don't think and you know with Steve Finn coming in and and, and being so good at Lords I think he probably will now occupy that that third seamer slot for the foreseeable future now but then the loss of Bresnan it does affect the balance of that side. It makes England's lower order quite a bit weaker. In saying that, at Lords, it was the lower order that kept England in the game uh, because the top order didn't really score any runs. In the second innings, batsmen 1, 2, 4 and 5 amassed 11 runs between them, which when you fall 54 runs short of uh, of chasing 3, 4, 6 is quite annoying from a fan's perspective, really, because <laughs> you just needed one of them to get some runs uh, and that would have been the difference. How far has England's batting been to blame for the series defeat, do you think? You know, what's happened to the batsmen? Obviously, uh, even very good batsmen are going to have a harder time against very, very good bowlers, which is what the South Africans were offering. You'd still expect this England batting lineup, as it is today, or as it was on Monday, to go out and do well, make hay against uh, weaker bowling attacks. Uh, but obviously, if you want to be the best in the world, you've got to be able to beat the rest of the world and, and better them. So that, I'm sure they'll be looking at themselves. Well, that's the point. I mean, I think uh, you could, on the basis of what we've seen this year, make a case that a lot of those batsmen are sort of flat-track bullies. By flat-track, it's perhaps, you know, rubbish bowling attack bullies. Um, because as soon as they've run into a world-class attack, both in the UAE and here, they've really struggled. With the Pakistan series, you thought, well, maybe they've just got a weakness against spin, which they do. But maybe it's just that against you know genuinely world-class bowlers they struggle because yes this is a world-class attack but they're supposed to be world-class batsmen so you'd expect them to at least be competitive and although they they haven't been atrocious they've still posted scores but if you look at each of the top six none of them have had great series have they and, and in fact, if, if you look at the top three, which for so long was the, the rock for England, if you just look at their bare statistics in the last year or so, it doesn't necessarily make for great reading. I mean, Strauss's problems are well documented and he only, he only made about 100 runs in this series. Um, but Trot has got one test 100 in 15 months. Cook has got one test 100 in 12 months. They're not producing the runs that they were. And that is a real problem. Yeah, although this, this sort of thing does happen, you know, players do do go on lean runs all all pretty much all batsmen do uh <clears throat> you could easily see cook uh, or trot striking a rich vein and and you know producing two three four centuries in a series well in a longer series but maybe you know one or two <laughs> two and th- i mean it was a shame that it's a three test series uh although maybe from england's perspective they'll be they'll be pleased it was over uh in that they haven't ended up on the end of a four nil but then you know they were getting closer so maybe maybe we could have seen a one all or, or any other combination <laughs> permutation uh, that's possible from a four-test series or a five-test series. I think the the only other thing that we haven't talked about is their fielding, which has fallen off a cliff, really, hasn't it? I mean, you, you remember the Ashes sort of 18 months ago. They were just faultless. And that was one of the biggest reasons why they became the number one side in the world. You think about the India series last year where... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Compared to the Indians, their fielding was just in another league, um, another galaxy. And it, it, it spoke an enormous amount about the professionalism of, of the England camp. And then in this series, they dropped nine catches, including two in the second innings of this game, which probably made the difference between winning and losing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression catches win matches, <laughs> but uh, perhaps that says just as much about the fooling standards. Bad catching or bad fielding, I guess, is a kind of manifestation of you know, a sloppy mindset, you know, just a a relaxed attitude. Certainly successful teams just don't make mistakes in the field. So we've talked a lot in the, the past couple of years about how good Andy Flower is, how uh, good he sounds, how nice he is to listen to. We've talked a lot in the last couple of years about your crush on Andy Flower. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as the sort of guy who's going to let this slide. He'll, he'll be back for more. He'll probably be quite angry, I think, particularly with the fielding. I think now maybe they'll they'll go away and they'll they'll go back to drawing board and think, right, we we did take our eye off the ball there. Get Dave, Dave Brailsford in. Get Dave Brailsford in. Get Clive Woodwin in. Get, get the old team together. Get Joe Kinnear in. Um, <laughs> and, and you're away. Where do they go from here, though? I mean, they literally go to India next. Well, they go to Sri Lanka for the World 2020. But in terms of Test Match Cricket... They go to India next. Do you, do you expect them to bounce back? Do you think they can bounce back with the same personnel? Or should they think about changes? You go, Andrew Strauss is very much under the microscope, isn't he? <laughs> uh, he's a big lad, isn't he? It's a small space. <laughs> uh, India, for many reasons, not the, uh, you know, wouldn't probably have been their first choice uh, India in India. It wouldn't have been their first choice for a, for a test series to, to attempt to bounce back in. Or maybe it would be. Uh, it's one of those things that could work either way. It's not it? a good rebound, is it? No. Uh, you know the Indians will obviously be very keen to avenge the just ridiculous defeat that they they suffered in England, and they'll probably be rubbing their hands when they're watching. You know, having seen the result, uh, you know, this summer, they'll be thinking there's a good opportunity for that. Uh, England, obviously, not traditionally brilliant in the subcontinent. Oh, it's going to be a real a real struggle for them. It's going to be a challenge, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think. Andrew Strauss will be under some pressure because, yeah, I think he scored about 100 runs in this series. Uh, and aside from against the West Indies, he hasn't really scored any runs against anyone for quite a long time. And now up till recently, that hasn't necessarily mattered all that much because his failures with the bat were absorbed by the brilliance of the other batsmen and his qualities as a leader sort of outweighed those batting inadequacies. But that's no longer true. The other batsmen aren't absorbing his failure. So it's, it's much more glaring, this problem at the top of the order, if Strauss isn't scoring runs. And then if England aren't winning anymore, is his captaincy still so valuable? Here is my is. question. There it is. That's my question. I'm only posing the question <laughs> to you. I'm not saying I agree with the question. I'm asking you the question. Don't blame the question. You have to stick with him, I think. Strauss has earned the right to have a, probably a more extended period of grace than uh, than would be afforded to most players or most captains so yeah he has to have the winter uh, I don't think dropping a new captain into an India tour would maybe be the best idea if England crumble uh, over the winter and come back just decimated then yeah, perhaps it would be time but hey they could go and win it absolutely that is the question that you have to ask no matter what's happening would it be better with a different captain and I think the answer to that is definitely not Strauss 
has to be the man to try and turn this around. He's certainly earned a, a period of grace, but anyway, I think he's he's still very much the right man for the job. And I still think England are the second best team in the world. I think I'd back them to beat anybody else apart from South Africa. It will be a real challenge in India, but there's no one more likely than Andrew Strauss to lead England to victory there, I don't think. And I think this whole Peterson situation probably strengthens his position because, you know, after everything that's happened, I think the ECB aren't going, firstly, aren't going to want to be seen to be getting rid of the man who was sort of accused of being a problem. Secondly, I think they're, they're going to want Strauss to stay to sort of keep a, a steady hand on the tiller. It's been a very settled England team, particularly uh, the kind of top six and seven, and it's been successful. And now Peterson's gone, you don't want to be kind of toppling all these domino you know we don't want to have a domino catastrophe on our hands well i don't want to be picking up dominoes adam <laughs> for the rest of my life as for south africa their next assignment is down under uh of the concept of assignment <laughs> graham smith going to pick up his assignment from the from the front of the class their homework gag there. yeah they go to australia this winter and they're going to be big favorites for that series um as we've seen here uh they are an incredibly tough team to beat that top seven plus Vernon Philander at eight just makes them so difficult to break down. If you've got to take 20 wickets, you've got to you've got to force your way through that batting lineup. It's extremely difficult, no matter how good your your bowling attack is. That Ambler Callis axis in the middle order has got to be a contender for the most solid ever. I've got for you here, Tone, a post-series composite eleven. Woof. Uh, so what I've done here is I've picked eleven players. Um, from South Africa and England, I put them into one eleven based on their performances. I think I'm beginning to grasp this now. Actually. In the after, series, after 150 episodes, <laughs> um, it's quite different to my pre-series composite eleven, which I think had something like seven Englishmen and four South Africans. This has got three Englishmen and eight South Africans. Big swing, swingometer. <laughs> it's just getting us off the charts. Where's here. Peter Snow? Where is he? <laughs> yeah, honestly, so have you got any graphics that support this? <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Smith, Alviro, Peterson, Amla. Trot, Callis, Dumini, Pryor, Philander, Swan, Morkel, Stain. Now, before you say anything, a few people might quibble about Swan. He only took four wickets, Tahir took eight. Um, but I thought Swan actually bowled pretty well without much success in this series against, generally speaking, much better batsmen than Tahir was bowling to. So I, I think he had a better series. And Tahir, of course, comes from the long line of South African spinners that rubbed me up the wrong way. That was include Paul Harris. If Paul Harris, Imran Tahir, um, and the Pet Shop Boys <laughs> did like a, you know, collaboration, you probably wouldn't buy that no, record. I wouldn't buy it. The thing is, it's, it's one of those, it's a, it's a Shane Watson scenario, isn't it? You know, they're probably great guys. Yeah. They're probably... You'll probably love probably this time next year. Yeah, exactly. I but, love Shane Watson yeah, so much. I love I used to detest him and now I think he's one of the greatest cricketers ever to have played the game yeah no I mean I'm sure to hear and it's just the way they play you know to hear is very in your face I like it when he gets a wicket he's very uh yeah that's annoying if you're on the receiving end of it when he he, his celebrations are very um enthusiastic there's one thing that's really struck me recently and uh is that when wickets are taken the I mean the bowler makes a huge amount of noise and right right in the batsman's face and I would be, I'd struggle to take that. I'd be, I think I'd be swiping with the bat, to be honest. It's bad enough when you get out in Evening League Division 4 in Guernsey. And it's so lucky that not barely even the bowler even like registers the wicket. Yeah. But when you've got someone like whooping right in your face. But then you hate it. You hate it in football. Uh, like if we're playing like a you know, proper league match in five-a-side. If someone comes in with quite a strong challenge on you, 
you're so angry. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious to watch how angry you are. <laughs> you're like, as they're running off, you just have a little little kick at their heels as they go past. I don't know why. <laughs> as they charge after them so fast. It's really funny. Yeah. Have you ever been sent off no. in the Fiverr side league? You've never been sent no, off? No, it's because I'm very gentlemanly. I've not been sent off either. No, that's good. It's just most of our other players have been <laughs> yeah, multiple times. Everyone else in our team. Yeah. I mean, we must be hated, our yeah. Fiverr side team, because the number of red cards that we've had. Well, it's actually a blue card, isn't it? Because you can get a red card if you... I don't know what you'd have to do to get a red card punch the referee I it would have to be pretty bad uh, blue card is like a sin bin yeah one of our players once got sent off and then another player like picked up an injury i was on the balcony watching the game came down to sort of make sure that this other guy was all right <laughs> the first player who'd been sent off had gone back on he came back out through the doors and was like oh you're right mate you're right and the injured player was like yeah no it's fine just go back on and play he's like no i've been sent off again <laughs> like, he had lasted we... about 14 seconds i think and i said to him what did you get sent off for? And he was like, I don't know. And then I asked someone else who was watching. And he was like, what do you mean he said he didn't know? He kicked someone in the knees and then swore at the ref. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the level of competitiveness in what is effectively the probably the lowest level of football <laughs> in the world is staggering. <laughs> Tony, we need to talk about Kevin. I actually thought about that before I came. Yeah. Yeah, but you got there first. This is the latest in a long running <laughs> series of We Need to Talk About Kevin's subtitle for f- sake. Can we please talk about Kevin? Uh, I actually wanted to get London correspondent Gordon McRae on the show to talk about this. But I texted him to ask, Have you got any opinions about Peterson? <laughs> he said, Nope. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so I thought, forget That's what that. We're paying him for. He hasn't been on here for ages. <laughs> so we talked about Peterson last week, but since then, just to give an update, after the story about him texting derogatory things to um, the South African players about Andrew Strauss, Peterson apologised for that, issued a public apology, but then subsequently a story emerged that not only was he texting derogatory things about Andrew Strauss, he was also texting the South Africans tactical advice, advice on how to, to get Strauss out, essentially, that he was telling them to bowl around the wicket, which is perhaps not the most insightful piece of tactical advice. They may have worked that out for themselves already. Uh, but nonetheless, doesn't look great for Peterson. And as a result, he has been left out of the squad for the World 2020. Uh, was apparently not even considered for that. Now, that didn't come as a surprise particularly, but what's been your reaction to the uh, the latest developments, Tone? <sighs> Disgrace, shame... No, I mean it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a mess, isn't it, all around? Uh, and then KP managed to get a golden duck for himself in his... Uh... His return to Surrey, which is I mean, which is perfect, wasn't it? It was just built for for the cameras. That yeah, I mean, it's a great shame. I think it's kind of now it has gone beyond the point of no return in many ways with with the latest revelations. I mean, going, I mean, going back to the start of the summer when he came out kind of out of the blue and said, "I'm not going to be playing one day cricket at all," and we thought, "Well, that's not going to last very long. He'll be back." Uh, but it doesn't look like he'll be back at all anymore. It's becoming harder and harder to imagine a scenario in which he does come back um, because the stuff about Strauss and everything, you could see, well, maybe they can work that out. But if it's true that he texted tactical advice, no matter how obvious that advice is, then he, he won't play for England again. I, I really don't see how he can because it calls into question everything. It calls into question his... Well, obviously, it calls into question his loyalty, but his you know his identity as an Englishman, which we'd always sort of, you know, believed that um, he had kind of 
adopted England as his home. You know, it does call that into question. It has to do that. How could he possibly walk back into that dressing room? Personally, I don't doubt his commitment. Well, I, I don't doubt that he has been committed to England. But I, I, it sounds more like spite, really, to me, than maybe a lack of commitment to the three lines, given that he has got it actually tattooed on him. Yeah, maybe he was just so, that's so, so, such a, I don't know, whatever it is, grudge, resentment of Strauss at this moment in time that, you know, it was just getting back at Strauss, not, you know, not trying to create a, a situation where the England team lose. Personally, and for the team, he obviously, I, I feel like he still wanted to win, but maybe he just felt he wanted to undermine Strauss's own record. <laughs> As it turned out, Strauss was doing that for himself. So. <laughs> um, I think that's probably right, um, that it was a more personally directed attack than just trying to make England lose. But all I'm saying is it has to call that into question. If he walks back into the dressing room, the other England players have got to be thinking, well, does Kevin want us to win this game or is he texting tactical advice to the opposition? And the fans are going to be thinking that as well. And it's pretty unforgivable that. And I, I don't think the ECB had any choice in leaving him out of the World 2020 squad. It's, it's a devastating blow to England that I think with him, they had a chance of defending their title. Without him, it's it's a much smaller chance. He was so important in 2010. I don't think they would have won without him. And he would have been even more important in subcontinent conditions. But they had no choice. I, I, I don't think they could have done anything else. However, it, saying, you know, if it's true that he texted that tactical advice, it does still remain the case that we have to say if it's true, because there's not been any confirmation of it. There's even some suggestion that the ECB haven't actually seen the text messages yet. They're kind of going on on rumour. And a, a lot of this is conjecture. What's your assessment of the way that the ECB have handled this? Because some people have been very critical, accusing them of, of double standards. Your old pal Piers Morgan stuck his oar in on Twitter, <laughs> sort of saying that the ECB have been, uh, have been really unfair to Peterson. Don't be too harsh on Piers Morgan. He is bringing, nah, he, uh, yeah. He's bringing us tea this week, isn't he? <laughs> giving up his time. Uh, possibly slightly unfair. I think Peterson clearly has enough kind of avenues to express his unflinching desire to be as kind of uh, skittish and indecisive as possible. He's created this own. He's created the situation for himself. Although going back to uh, yeah, going back a couple of months, I'm pretty sure I criticised the ECB for not being uh, flexible enough regarding you know one day contracts and things. And yeah, I think Peterson should have been allowed to play just 2020. And personally, I think that should have been allowed to just play 2020 and tests. So in that sense, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit of criticism there. But in terms of the later stuff, I think they've handled it reasonably well. One of the things that Piers Morgan was saying was that, you know, um, that it's hypocritical because they let other players get away with things. For example, Graham Swan said some less than complimentary things about Peterson in his autobiography, received no reprimand, and it was just sort of, oh, well, never mind. Then Peterson said some less than complimentary things about Strauss, and, you know, it all kicked off. It's different because... He's saying it to the opposition. But it's also different because, you know, particularly with the um, thing about the tactical advice, this is just a much greater order of magnitude, isn't it, than, than the Swan thing, than any other example you can think of. Yes, the ECB probably made some mistakes in the way they handled it. Not massive ones, but some. But it's entirely of Peterson's own making and he didn't give the ECB a choice. So I'm, I wouldn't be too critical of them. So just a, a straight up question for you, Tane. Will Peterson ever play for England again? We know how good you are at predictions. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, can't see it. There you go. I was going to say you heard it here first, but that <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely wouldn't be true. Well, that's about it for the World Cricket Show this week. We did it, Tone. That's episode one hundred and fifty. 
in the bag. What a spectacular episode it was. Oh, the big fireworks. <laughs> it, has it given you cause to reflect on, <laughs> on uh, you know, this whole project? What else you could have done with your time <laughs> in the last few years? What have been your... Your World Cricket Show highlights over the run, Tony. What have been some Too of the funniest things rec- that I've said? <laughs> Too many to recall, Adam. Yeah. Too many. Far too many. Uh, you, you, as you well know, I've got a terrible memory <laughs> for things like that. Yep. So I can't remember much, to be honest. But... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's been that good. It really has. It's been so memorable. Just thinking about, we went out for dinner on so Monday good. night for a friend's yeah. birthday. <laughs> never eaten that much it was ridiculous over a Chinese the, the key thing for me is that yeah well there were four of us went anyway and the ordering process was a shambles <laughs> yeah. uh, what essentially happened is that instead of each person ordering what dishes they wanted in turn one dish was taken and then it would go <laughs> to the next person and we went around a circle and it was kind of like a spiral of doom because it got quicker and quicker where it went around too many times and before we knew it we'd ordered well, a we, ludicrous amount we of Chinese we made mistake of you know we were ordering things to share, and as soon as people had started saying a few, I couldn't remember what I'd already ordered, <laughs> no. and I started panicking that I might not have enough food. And then uh, our friend Patrick was a good friend of the show, Patrick, who listeners might remember from the World Tennis Show. <laughs> it, was, it was his birthday. Uh, I mean, he's a man who eats a lot of food and, you know, will order a lot of food. He once read me a list of things. He'd made a, he'd made a list of what he'd eaten in one day where he's, he said about 15 things and then went, and then I had lunch. <laughs> Those previous 15 things had included, like, six ham sandwiches, seven cheese sandwiches, and then I had lunch. Um, so he's just ordering food. We must have ordered about 14 or 15 dishes to share between the four of us. And then the, wait- the waitress was like, so that's everything, yeah? We were like, yeah, 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 cool. And Patrick just went, and a want on soup. <laughs> just panic. Just the most unnecessary <laughs> soup. soup. And then as they we'd brought it over, going, it was like... We'd already had a full duck, yeah, full round of, <laughs> a full round of hors d'oeuvres. We got a whole duck and a plate of hors d'oeuvres. And then we got our main course, which is <laughs> about 15 dishes. <laughs> Plus you'd already had, uh, you, uh, you sitting with your back to the bar, had already reached behind and grabbed what, an extra three bowls of prawn crackers. <laughs> and elicit three bowls yeah. of prawn cr- crackers. It was a shambles. I had to make a phone call to my bank manager before I could settle the bill. <laughs> it was uh, arrange, Quick log into Wonga.com. <laughs> just arrange a ridiculous loan. It was pretty absurd. Um, so yeah, I will not be eating out for a while. That's for goddamn sure. That's one thing I will not be doing this week. But no doubt it'll be a good week. I hope everyone listening has a good week. Uh, But between now and the next episode of The World Creek Show, if you'd like to get more involved in what we're doing here, and who wouldn't after tonight's episode... Uh, You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Follow us on Twitter at cricket show. You can follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. I actually sent a tweet out tonight. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for you, so I thought I'd better tweet. What did you tweet? I just said I'm waiting for you. I said following James James Feld's tips via MLB.com while I wait for you to get to the studio. Go Brewers. Because <laughs> I've got a little bit of money on the Brewers tonight. So, you, I mean, that's not really interesting at all <laughs> it's not to the listeners. So anyone. I'm, I'm glad we stopped that's the, point the episode. Of I'm glad that you stopped my flow here <laughs> to read that. Um, so get more tweets like that by following Tony on Twitter. Uh, send us an email if you'd like to speak to us directly and discreetly. Uh, Worldcricketshow <laughs> at gmail.com. Do that if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers. DM me with uh, with your tips on how to get Adam out. But <laughs> 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 we just bowl at him. Yeah, That's probably the answer. Put it on the if you've got any other derogatory things, you know, I'm always wanting to receive them. Not that's, about me. That's a bit of a concern, actually, because I, 
I think I may have tipped off one of the Deloitte players, Deloitte being another <laughs> team in the Gens Evening League. I may have tipped them off about how to get you out. <laughs> you joking? Ball at his pads. Yeah. Oh, you're guaranteed to get me out. He doesn't like it. It really annoys me that no one, I never get, no one ever bowls at me outside off stump. Every ball is on the stumps. You need to take your guard like way outside yeah. leg stump and just step out towards I it. I end up just playing all around it and get, falling over the bat and getting out LBW. Um, so yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate all of those. Uh, and most importantly, if you'd like a World Cricket Show t-shirt, we still have some left. Go to cricketshow.net and order yours today for just £15. It's all very exciting. All the kids are wearing them. But that's it for this week. Stay in school, everybody. School's only just around the corner again, isn't it? <laughs> Get back to school. I'll depress everybody. All yeah. that school-age lessons. What we've got coming up? We've got the winter, we've got school, <laughs> other things. We've got the clocks going back. Oh, I cannot wait for hey, that. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll talk that. about that. Yeah. Halloween. <laughs> we'll talk about that. That'll be the, going, the <laughs> clocks going back special. I've already planned what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Anyway, we are massively late for our next engagement, as usual. We've got a few things to do. Our next engagement. Our next a few things to do. Our next engagement. Like, we're not opening a hospital or something. Uh, we're attending a private airing of uh, our friend's band's new material. Yeah, we're 25 minutes <laughs> late. 25 minutes late already. And it will take us at least 10 minutes to get out of here, and then another 15 minutes to get yeah. there. And what we've been talking for the last 10 minutes about. About eating Chinese food. <sighs> No wonder we're always late. No wonder people have stopped inviting us to things. <laughs> I might have just called and said I can't come. <laughs> well, I'm joking now, so this is probably as good a time as any to wrap up. See you next week, everybody. Yeah, take it easy, boys and girls. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day is year, year, Pull up the scorecard. Just drag up the scorecard there. I'll just check Facebook briefly. Let's <laughs> um, check Twitter. No, nothing happening particularly. <laughs> just take my turn on Scrabulous and then I'm there. So I raced back across the island. I was at the beach. I couldn't have been any further away from my house. Raced back across the island and got there just in time to see Jimmy Anderson get out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I oh, was at, yeah, it was Anderson. Was Anderson? No, prior. And then got there just in time to see Matt Pryor get out. Uh, <laughs> so I could then, do another laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A genuine laugh. Uh, try it. Or, I'll say that again. <laughs> and got there just in time to see Matt Pryor get out. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.